Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. Good afternoon. 506 now. News Talk 105.9 WMAL, where we're making sense of the news. You can join us, 888-630-9625, 888-630-WMAL. Boy, a lot to get to today. I'll try and uh, go over in some more detail this new reporting from Schellenberger and Taibbi about the role that the CIA played in spying on 26 different people associated with Donald Trump and his campaign back in 2016. 26, that's the number they say. They wanted intelligence agencies across the planet to bump them, to make contact with them, to manipulate them. Targets of the American intelligence community. It's amazing all these years later that we're finding out so much more about that now. Again, you can join us, 888-630-9625. This week, a number of uh, big legal fights for Donald Trump as Democrats across the country and their prosecutors are looking to rig the election and target him uh, to tie him up in courtrooms and hoping to convict him ahead of the election so as to hurt his candidacy. For more on that, I want to bring in Tom Fitton now, the president of Judicial Watch and the author of A Republic Under Assault. Tom, good to have you back with us, sir. It's good to be with you. Thank you. There's a a lot going on. I also want to talk to you in a moment about some breaking news out of your organization, Judicial Watch, uh, involving the Secret Service. I'll get to that. But first, uh, Donald Trump is appealing to the Supreme Court this week to intervene uh, in the case that he's making that he has immunity from the charges that Jack Smith is trying to level against him. Uh, from his time in office. What do we know about this? Well, for the first time in American history, he's being prosecuted for acts that arguably were done in his official capacity. No president's been prosecuted for engaging uh, in the act of being president. And, you know, he wants the court to do a serious review. And what's going on is that Jack Smith and, frankly, the anti-Trump court here in D.C., the appellate court, the lower court, Judge Chutkin, want to bum rush him through a trial as soon as possible so that he can get their conviction before the election. And the question is, is the Supreme Court going to buy into that and allow that abuse to continue or say, you know what, uh, we're going to consider this in the ordinary course. Uh, this is too serious, and we're not going to let uh, a three-judge panel here in the District of Columbia yes. be the final word as to whether presidents all of a sudden can be prosecuted by virtually anyone in the country for any reason they deem fit. Because I guarantee you that if this rule is changed and the Constitution is is reinterpreted to allow presidents to be prosecuted, state prosecutors, county prosecutors, federal prosecutors will all be lining up uh, to indict a president as soon as he puts, uh, puts his hand on the Bible. Right. Yeah. And then it'll just become our judicial system will just be used as a grudge match rather than as a a way to accurately assess what's going on in our country and to render justice impartially. Instead, it will just be yet another political tool that the left has corrupted. Yeah. You know, and when you have Jack Smith go into the court and say there's some urgent public need to be resolved as soon as possible, 
Well, why is that the case here other than a political reason? I mean they want to do it before the election. And I tell you, I was thinking about this, Vince, just how corrupted this Justice Department is. They uh, – you know, we'll talk about Fannie Willis. Jack Smith is as corrupt as Fannie Willis. I mean when you engage in a prosecution for purposes other than the public interest and start steamrolling over people's rights, uh, and in this case, Jack Smith is doing it purely for politics because there's no other reason to rush this than because you want to time it to impact the election. Uh, you know, that that's the worst of the worst. And our Justice Department is irredeemably corrupt. And I, I just hope whoever the next president in, is takes reform as job one for that deep state agency. Yes, we desperately need a house cleaning. No question about that. And it's long overdue. Um, on the issue of Fannie Willis, let's move to Fulton County, Georgia. Uh, and interestingly, uh, a number of court hearings on Thursday involving Donald Trump, one of them set to take place uh, in Fulton County, Georgia this week, where Judge Scott McAfee is of the opinion that it might be necessary to disqualify Fannie Willis, the district attorney, entirely from the case because of an apparent conflict of interest she has by sleeping with her subordinate, who she's enriching by having on the team. Here's Judge Scott McAfee talking about this yesterday. Specifically looking at Defendant Roman's motion, it alleges a personal relationship that resulted in a financial benefit to the district attorney. And that is no longer a matter of complete speculation. The state has admitted a relationship existed. And so what remains to be proven is the existence and extent of any financial benefit, again, if there, is, if there even was one. So because I think it's possible that the facts alleged by uh, the defendant could result in disqualification. I think an evidentiary hearing must occur to establish the record on those core allegations. So just to emphasize, I think the issues at point here are whether a relationship existed. Yeah, so this is a big deal, and it's such a big deal that Donald Trump himself at this moment plans on attending this hearing on Thursday, Tom Fitton, to bring more attention to it. Well, I think as we talked about, this is already a corrupted investigation because it's purely political. And but with mo like most tyrants, there's usually a personal uh, side benefit. There, people are taking advantage of the system uh, to not only abuse their political opponents but make a little money on the side or advance their personal interests on the side. And here, the allegation is that this prosecution is inter you know irredeemably bound up in uh, an effort to advance Fannie Willis's and her uh, paramour's romantic relationship and obviously their finances. And uh, there's strong evidence now that they lied to the court in explaining what's been taking place to date as to when the relationship began and right. otherwise. Yes, because they insist, that it, it, they, they insist that the relationship started after he was hired. Uh, there apparently is some evidence that no, it started before he was hired. Right. And as and and to the degree they're trying to make a distinguishing <laughs> that that well it started after they were hired and it makes it better i don't i don't think that's necessarily the uh, uh, uh epitome of right. ethics we want to promote within the within the uh, prosecution down in Fulton County but you know i not only do i think he need, the, these folks need to be removed at least based on the evidence that's pretty much unrefuted to date uh, but it raises questions about whether the case at all can go forward. And, you know, my view is, how is it anything that they've done? How has it not been tainted by this 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 inappropriate relationship? Were they bringing evidence to the grand jury and pursuing this prosecution for the public interest, for their own personal interest? 
my view is you either throw it out or you throw it out and say you need to start over. And um, and even being disqualified could be the end of the case because uh, it could be they can't get another prosecutor to follow up on it because if Fulton County won't do it, you know, it may be there's well, no other prosecution team in the in the state that's willing to do it because everyone knows it's political and corrupt. Sure. And also she's uh, she's advancing a never before tested theory of the case that Donald Trump was involved in some sort of RICO violation, an organized criminal attempt to steal the election. Uh, it's it's so crazy that I'd be surprised if there was another attorney who wants to jump on and defend that case. Yeah, Nancy Pelosi can't prosecute the case, so Fannie Willis did it for her. I mean, that's what that's what happened. You know, Jack Smith is doing the same sort of game up here in Washington, D.C., with an unprecedented prosecution, novel application of the law. Alvin Bragg, which I guess is who the left is now hoping gets his stab because <laughs> it looks like these other cases may be waylaid a bit, uh, you know, for the first time in history, bringing in someone and trying to put him in jail for engaging in a settlement agreement. It's just incredible. Yeah, it truly is. Uh, so, all right. So we'll, we'll keep our eyes on that. But again, uh, Trump obviously thinks this redounds to his benefit. He'll be apparently there on Thursday at that hearing in, in Fulton County, Georgia, as the prosecutor has been going after him is now being called before the court for her own problems. Uh, it's just so fascinating how that's uh, going down. I do see uh, some Judicial Watch breaking news this afternoon. I'm always grateful for it. Um, you indicate your organization uh, has some information now about Robert F. Kennedy's request for Secret Service protection. This is a guy who is has been constantly threatened on the campaign trail, including at one point uh, somebody posing as a U.S. marshal and carrying a gun went to his campaign event. I believe that was in California. Uh, and yeah. he's been saying, I need Secret Service protection. Uh, right now he's paying for his own security. Uh, tell us what you've learned about his requests to be protected on the campaign trail. Well, they were given short shrift, and uh, he requested the uh, the protection, and he wasn't granted it. And we had gotten some documents initially. We'd asked for others, got the runarounds. So we had to file a lawsuit in federal court. You know, in the first batch of documents they gave us last week, Vince, confirmed that it's the Secretary of, uh, of Homeland Security, Secret Service is part of that agency, that has the discretion ultimately to make that call, and so does the president. And then we found out in a second batch of documents, indeed, it was Mario Orcus who made the call and declined to provide Secret Service protection for Kennedy. And what's interesting in the documents, the documents say, you know, the law was changed to expand Secret Service protection for presidential candidates after this man's father was murdered and assassinated, Robert F. Kennedy. And I, I, I don't know about you, but personally, I am disgusted by the way the Biden administration has handled this. What's, what's the harm in making sure, given his last name, that he gets the extra protection that ordinarily maybe another presidential candidate wouldn't yet receive? Sure. Well, is, is it that hard to figure out a scenario where he might be at extra risk? Well, the of cruel... course, they had information that he was being threatened. Yes. Now, I know all public officials and public people, a lot of people in politics, policy get threatened, at least at the high political levels like this. But the Kennedy name, you know, I, I'm not saying vote for Kennedy. I'm not saying vote against him. But, you know, let's just put aside nasty politics and make sure the guy isn't going to be harmed unnecessarily. Well, the, I, I just can't believe we're at this stage. The nasty politics that appear to be animating this 
are that uh, that the Biden administration doesn't want to dignify his candidacy to suggest that he's a real candidate by even affording him Secret Service protection. That's what I, that's my hunch about this whole thing. They don't want to give him Secret Service protection because it would give the appearance of a legitimate candidacy, and they want to undermine that claim. Yes, and what's interesting is they supposedly consulted the uh, – there's a board that provides advice and counsel on this made up of senior leadership in the House and Senate. And it looked like reading between the lines that Senator McConnell was pushing for this, and there was some – maybe some pushback from others. So I'd be interested to know what those leaders in Congress thought about this decision by Moriarty not to provide him protection. And I tell you, uh, this is this is a this is a dangerous game the Biden yeah. administration's playing. And and if Moriarty pretended that the rules mandated he do it this way, then it's up this is where the president comes in and says, "You know what? He's going to get the protection." And if it means he gets more votes than he otherwise would have gotten, that's good, but at least I can sleep at night knowing yeah. he's better protected. Well, at least Mayorkas is being consistent. He doesn't protect anyone. Uh, so that's that's, that's what I, w- I was trying to, try to put that in the release. It's you know, he's not protecting the border. Yeah. It's no surprise. He's not protecting an innocent American like RFK. Nope. Nope. Not protecting him either. And um, we know that thanks to your work. Tom Fitton at Judicial Watch. Thank you, sir. Really appreciate your time as always. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Bye. Hey, uh, speaking of the White House. You know, Corringe has a massive chip on her shoulder. It's obvious if you just listen to any of her press briefings. But did you know that when she got the job after Jen Psaki left and went and got her MSNBC show, she got out of Dodge. Uh, Biden apparently told her, don't worry, he hired a babysitter for her. Everything's going to be fine. I'm not joking. According to the New York Times... They say that when Mr. Biden in early 2022 chose Ms. Corinne Jean-Pierre to succeed Jen Psaki, Jen Psaki, his first press secretary, he did so despite the misgivings of some senior aides who believed that Corinne needed more seasoning for the job. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. I don't know how many lifetimes of seasoning it's going to take, but it's going to take a lot more. According to three people with knowledge of the dynamics inside the West Wing, Miss Jean-Pierre, a, d- a daughter of Caribbean immigrants who grew up in Queens, served as Northeast political director for the Obama White House, Kamala Harris's chief of staff in the 2020 election, spokeswoman for MoveOn.org, and political analyst on MSNBC. A White House spokesman said her experiences, quote, were widely agreed on as unique and important qualifications. For what? <laughs> for press secretary? None of those positions, however, involved a daily on-camera barrage from combative journalists. How many of those have we gotten? On-camera barrages from combative journalists. What world does the New York Times live in? This has been suck-up sessions for, for the most part. It's like Peter Ducey and then everyone else. <laughs> it's like crazy. The kind of challenge that requires command over a dizzying array of topics and the verbal reflexes of an auctioneer. Come on. Does she have that? The, the verbal reflexes of an auctioneer? To compliment Ms. Jean-Pierre, Mr. Biden elevated Mr. Kirby, that would be Admiral Kirby, then his Pentagon spokesman, to a newly created position. They call it the National Security Council Coordinator for Strategic Communications. It's an opaque title. And shaded the fact that Mr. Kirby, who had impressed Mr. Biden during the Afghanistan withdrawal in 2021. What? How did... The disastrous with withdrawal from Afghanistan, that's when Kirby impressed Joe the most. That was a dis- that was a disaster, top to bottom, everything, including Kirby's performance. Of course, Joe was impressed by that. 
Biden decided, yes, he would share some duties with Ms. Jean-Pierre, like briefing reporters on foreign affairs. So at a May 2022 reception on the Truman balcony held in honor of Jen Psaki's departure, Mr. Biden was speaking with a group of aides when he tried to reassure Coringe not to worry about filling Miss Saki's shoes, according to two people with direct knowledge of their exchange. After all, Mr. Biden told her, quote, you'll have an admiral looking over your shoulder. <laughs> oh, boy, this is not going to do anything to help her head case. This is not good for her. The president's tone suggested he wanted to be encouraging, the people said, but the comment landed with a thud. Yeah, that's right. Just imagine, you get promoted to White House press secretary. Here you go, honey. It's your big moment. You're the White House press secretary. You're in charge now. You get to go speak to the press every day. You call the shots. You run the communications decisions here. And then the president says, don't worry. I hired a babysitter for you. He'll be watching over your shoulder at all times. Yeah, it landed with a thud. It's one of those Biden specials. He doesn't quite know how to communicate well, how to lead people, how to inspire them. He even drives Corringe crazy. That's what we're dealing with, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, coming up, uh, some more digging on this new report out from Michael Schellenberger and company about the CIA's deep corruption targeting political adversaries right here in the United States of America. It's a scandal of huge, huge proportions. We'll cover it like it coming up. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. Hey, good afternoon. 535 here, News Talk 105.9 WMAL, where we're making sense of the news. You can join us today at 888-630-9625, 888-630-WMAL. Would be grateful to get your contributions today. All of the chatter about Joe Biden's brain going on still. And as uh, Margot Cleveland raised earlier and apparently attributed it to Tom Fitton, who we also had on the show earlier. You know, the very idea that Merrick Garland would sign off on the release of the Robert Hur report is an endorsement of its findings, which include that Joe Biden can't think. So therefore, he can't govern. He can't be president of the United States. So Merrick Garland should be first to line up and pull the lever on the 25th Amendment. Remember, through the years, the, uh, the left has said, oh, we have to get rid of Trump, the 25th Amendment, the 25th Amendment. Uh, they would say. And uh, thank you to uh, Corey and Ganimort who discovered this wonderful piece of audio. This is January 12th of 2021. Go back in time to that amazing moment in American history. This is Donald Trump just before he leaves the White House, uh, a couple days before that. And he's talking about the 25th Amendment and how everyone thought that it would be used against him. And he offered a warning to the incoming president. Free speech is under assault like never before. The 25th Amendment is of zero risk to me, but will come back to haunt Joe Biden and the Biden administration. As the expression goes, be careful what you wish for. Whoa. How about that, Trump Adamus? I didn't know he brought that up. That was so he predicted the 25th Amendment would come back with a vengeance. 
and it might be used against Donald, against Joe Biden. We'll see. We'll see. We have uh, months to go now before the election, certainly before the Democrat convention. Could it be a brokered convention? Could uh, there be some shenanigans ahead of it? Might they need the 25th Amendment at all? Or might, be, might they be able to escort him off stage and just have him release some sort of statement? Remember, there was that moment uh, early in the administration where Biden straight up said on air, he said in front of a video camera, that if necessary, he would fake some sort of illness and have Kamala Harris then become the president of the United States. He said, I might do that, <laughs> he said out loud. And they were like, why'd you say that? Everyone hit their heads all at the same time. What, what was that, a Leslie Nielsen movie where everybody slaps their heads all at the same time? It was like Airplane or something. Everyone just starts slapping their heads uh, when he said that. Don't say that. Uh, but he said, I might have to fake an illness. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, brother, you probably don't have to fake one. That's the, uh, that's the advantage here uh, for you. All right, so that is fascinating audio. Fascinating audio. And in case anybody else mentions it anywhere else, you'd be like, hey, I heard that on the Vince Colonnais show. You can thank Corey and Ganimore. He dug that up. I was like, where'd you find this? Was this on Twitter? He's like, no, I was just researching and popped up. I was like, that's why I like you. Okay, uh, I want to go back to this Michael Schellenberger uh, uh, piece today. Margot Cleveland is the one earlier in the program that brought my attention to it. And boy, I'm glad she did. We're going to spend more time on this story. But uh, again, the headline on this is United States intelligence community targeted 26 Trump advisors for foreign spy agencies to reverse target and bump. This dates back to 2016. And as I was giving you some of the basics on this, if you go back to the beginning of Crossfire Hurricane, which was the FBI's name for its investigation of the Trump campaign, Russia collusion, they say it was predicated on a tip from Australia that an Australian diplomat became aware of the fact that there were Trump officials who were, uh, you know, colluding with Russia was the was the claim. But it turns out that there was a lot more here uh, going on. Uh, let me quote from the piece. They say, in truth, the United States intelligence community asked the Five Eyes Intelligence Alliance to surveil Trump's associates and then to share the intelligence that they acquired with U.S. agencies, according to sources close to the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. The Five Eyes nations are the following, the United States, the United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. Okay. Now, remember, UK, If just in terms of mentioning the UK here, Christopher Steele is a former top spy for the, for the UK. And he's the guy who put together the Steele dossier full of all of the lies about the Trump campaign. So how related is that? Not clear at this hour, but it matters. They continue, after Public and Racket, that's the name of their news organization, independent news organization, had been told that President Barack Obama's CIA director, John Brennan, had identified 26 Trump associates for the five eyes to target, a source confirmed the intelligence community had, quote, identified them as people to bump or make contact with or manipulate. They were targets of our own intelligence community and law enforcement, targets for collection and misinformation. Unknown details about the FBI's investigation of the Trump campaign and raw intelligence related to the intelligence community's surveillance of the Trump campaign are in a 10-inch binder that Trump ordered to be declassified at the very end of his term. Are you following this, this now? So this is fast. Again, Schellenberger and Taibbi are not cranks. These guys are not on the fringes. They're not the kind of people who are reckless with their reporting at all. At all. And that's been proven time and time again. If the left had any evidence that they were, believe me, it would be front and center. They'd be trying everything. They are trying everything they can to take these guys down. Remember Taibbi, while he was testifying, they had 
IRS agents banging on his door at home going after this guy. Yeah, that's the way the Biden administration operates. And so they say that Trump declassified a 10-inch binder containing a lot of this intelligence at the very end of his term. Now, obviously, one of the questions that arises, at least for me and perhaps for you, is where was that binder? And was it in Mar-a-Lago? Did the FBI raid Mar-a-Lago to get that binder? Was that a part of the thinking? Back to this document, back to this reporting today. If the top secret documents exist proving these charges, they are potentially proof that multiple U.S. intelligence officials broke laws against spying and election interference. CNN, Politico, The Guardian, and others reported back in 2017 that the British government communications headquarters, GCHQ, the UK's equivalent of the National Security Agency, the NSA, was the principal whistleblower in the investigation into the alleged ties between Trump and the Russian government. Got it? So a UK equivalent to the NSA was the primary agency that was telling everybody there's a link between Trump and Russia. It was a UK group. GCHQ first became aware in late 2015 of suspicious interactions between figures connected to Trump and known or suspected Russian agents, a source close to UK intelligence, wrote a team of reporters for The Guardian in April of 2017. This intelligence sharing was supposedly just the result of, quote, incidental collection. Incidental collection. This, in other words, what I was mentioning with Margot before which is, oh, we weren't spying on that person in particular. They just came up in our other spying activities. Oh, who is this person? Oh, it's a Trump official. How weird. They're colluding with the Russians. But this report goes out of its way to indicate, no, 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 wait a second. These Trump people were being targeted specifically. It wasn't incidental. Reported The Guardian at the time, quote, it is understood that GCHQ was at no point carrying out a targeted operation against Trump or his team or proactively seeking information. The alleged conversations were picked up by chance as a part of routine surveillance of Russian intelligence assets. But now, sources say, the GCHQ's version of events is false. Instead, the U.S. intelligence community had asked its foreign allies to target 26 members of Trump's team possibly to justify the FBI's investigation. Quote, they were making contacts and bumping Trump people going back to March of 2016, a source close to the investigation said. They were sending people around the UK, Australia, Italy, the Mossad in Italy. MI6 was working at an intelligence school that they had set up. The IC, a source said, Considered the 26 Trump campaign people identified to bump or reverse target or manipulate through confidential human sources to be easy marks because of their relative inexperience. Let me pause here and remind you of something. At the beginning of the Trump administration, James Comey bragged that they were able to catch General Flynn off guard by requesting an interview with him in the early days because he was he was laughing about how inexperienced the whole White House staff was, that they weren't ready for the ambush. And it was their naivete that they took advantage of in order to get in there and try and ruin General Flynn's life. That was Comey who bragged about that. So this is consistent with Comey's statements at the time, that they were constantly targeting Trump people because of their naivete, their innocence. They didn't know any better. 
They were easy marks. They had relative inexperience. Schellenberger and Taibbi continue. Doing so was illegal. That is, spying on Trump officials. Because both U.S. law, or excuse me, both because U.S. law prohibits such intelligence gathering, unless authorized by Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act warrant, and because the weaponization of the intelligence community for political purposes constitutes, yes, election interference. Brennan, former President Barack Obama, under whom he served, and the CIA did not respond to requests for comment. The Justice Department also declined to comment. But the FBI and the GCHQ did respond. Ready for that? The GCHQ spokesman saying this to Taibbi and Schellenberger, quote, the allegations that GCHQ was asked to conduct wiretapping against the then president-elect are nonsense. They are utterly ridiculous and should be ignored. First, okay, there's a bunch of things going on here. One, they thought this reporting was important enough to respond to. So they've given a statement to Schellenberger and Taibbi. Two, wiretapping is not the subject of this story. Notice what they say here. The allegations that GCHQ was asked to conduct wiretapping against the then president-elect are nonsense. So you see how in the response, they constrained the terms. They constrained the, the type of surveillance. They said wiretapping. And they constrained the time frame. They said only the president-elect, meaning after Donald Trump was elected in 2016. So they've tightened down the variables. And then they said, we never spied on him in the form of wiretapping during that specific time period. That was the statement they gave to Schellenberger and Taibbi. Do you detect all of that? They continue. They, they note what I just noted here in the next paragraph. However, in our email presenting the claims to GCHQ, we did not refer to wiretapping, but rather to its UK spy agency's broader alleged involvement in the scheme. Now, here's the FBI's response. The conduct in 2016 and 2017 that Justice Department Special Counsel John Durham examined was the reason that current FBI leadership already implemented dozens of corrective actions, which have now been in place for some time. Had those reforms been in place in 2016, the missteps identified in the report could have been prevented. Oh, so, so the FBI, th their explanation is this was all just a big misunderstanding. Total mistake. We opened up a full-blown investigation even though we had all the countervailing evidence in the world telling us that we shouldn't have done that. It was just a big mistake. And John Durham's report exposed all of the weaknesses. They've been fixed. Nothing to worry about. You can go home, rest easy tonight. The government's not corrupt. You're going to be totally fine. That's the FBI statement on this. Now, notice, of course, they're not actually addressing any of the underlying allegations at all. That the United States intelligence community had their intelligence partners around the world spy on dozens of Trump officials to achieve a political end. That would be to get Hillary Clinton elected. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. <laughs> when you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. Schellenberger and Taibbi conclude here, but the new information provided by our sources should significantly alter the public's understanding of how the U.S. intelligence community 
including the FBI and the CIA, began their illegal investigation into the Trump campaign, excuse me, the Trump campaign's alleged collusion with Russia. So this is a, a, a meaningful story. These are also the guys uh, who were tasked with looking through all of the Twitter files, to remind you, uh, and who exposed the extent to which the big tech companies were taking orders from the federal government to censor the American people. These guys have a great track record here on, on reporting on important things. They're teasing that they have another report coming tomorrow. Inside the top secret Russia collusion binder, the intelligence community won't release. Won't release. Uh, and uh, they also address one other thing here. Schellenberger says that there are some people who are saying we already knew all of this. He's insisting, no, you didn't. You did not know the scope of all of this until now. He said only a tiny number of people knew about this. And as we note in our story, if the top secret documents exist proving these charges, they're potentially proof that multiple U.S. intel officials broke laws against both spying and election interference. Uh, he says this is a massive scoop. It upends what people knew about the origins of all of this. Uh, and to think we are now, what, it was 2016. So we're now eight years past when all of this was taking place and we're still finding out these new details. Uh, big deal. A really big deal here and uh, worth worthy of knowing about. I'm glad we were, our attention was brought to it today by uh, Margot Cleveland uh, and the great reporters here. Last hosted The Daily Show on Comedy Central. The idea was to advance the interests of Democrats at all costs and mock Republicans kind of on a routine basis. But I, you, you wondered, you know, they put in a series of hosts. Uh, none of them have succeeded. And then John Stewart came back. He's doing once a week, Mondays. Uh, he did it last night. And you're like, well, what kind of reception is he going to get from the modern left? He's an old white guy coming back to this show. Here's how he uh, did the monologue last night. Now, Democrats will say that any criticism like this, especially of Biden, is unfair because you just don't know Biden like they know Biden. President Biden, who I've been around uh, numerous times just in this last year, is sharp. He's focused. He's bright. He is sharp intensely probing and detail-oriented and focused. This is a man who is sharp, who is on top of his game, who knows what's going on. He's smart. He's on his game. I was in almost every meeting with the president, and the president was in front of and on top of it all, coordinating and directing leaders who are in charge of America's national security, not to mention our allies around the globe. Did anyone film that? <laughs> because if you're... If you're telling us behind the scenes he is sharp and full of energy and on top of it and really in control and leading, you should film that. <laughs> that would be good to show to people <laughs> instead of a TikTok where he goes, Chocolate chip, Chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, he did that this week. What are they doing? The TikTok thing. So, you know, you want to know how the left reacted to this? Very poorly. They hate this. They hate John Stewart, of course, spent mustard to the show also saying that Donald Trump is old and shouldn't be president. But they're so upset by even small amounts of criticism that they're freaking out. The left is going ballistic today. Like, this is not what I thought this was going to be. I used to like you, John Stewart. It's insane, which is kind of fun to watch, honestly. The great one, Mark Levin. Fun to listen to. He's up next here on WML. 
Get an inside look at Hollywood with Michael Rosenbaum. Let's get inside of my buddy, Kumal Nanjiani. When you talk about Eternals and it wasn't the response that you were hoping, how did that affect you? Marvel thought that we'd be going on a wave of raves, you know, and it wasn't true. The reviews were really bad. And you were aware of it while you were on tour? Yeah, I was too aware of it. And so very intentionally, I did start counseling. Emily says that I do have trauma from it. Inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum. Wherever you listen.